you're listening to a Bellingcat Discord server stage talk titled Strategies for Working with Traumatic Materials. The talk features Bellingcat researchers Anik Mosu and Giancarlo Fiorella giving practical advice to open source researchers for minimizing their exposure to traumatic materials and mitigating its effects on their health. The talk also features interventions by Bellingcat researchers Eric Toller and Tristan Lee, as well as by community members Dars and Sir Toasty. The stage talk was hosted by Giancarlo Fiorella on the Bellingcat Discord server in July 2022. All right. Uh, hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Um, I am Giancarlo uh, Fiorella. I'm joined here by Anik Mosu, one of my colleagues. Um, I'm going to be talking mostly uh, through some notes that I've prepared on the topic for today, which is resilience and open source research strategies for working with traumatic imagery. I, I should have made the title traumatic material because, um, you know, you can have text that's potentially traumatic. Um, you can have audio that's potentially traumatic. It doesn't have to be imagery. In particular, I think most of the time we work with, with imagery. And uh, that's why I, I made it that. But it doesn't have to be, <laughs> it doesn't have to be uh, specifically imagery. A and the tips and suggestions that I'm going to make today, I think, apply to, to text, to audio, not just to images. So uh, just before I get started here, uh, I wanted to say a couple of things. First of all, hi, everybody, again, and thank you for coming. Um, if you are new to the server and this is your first stage talk, uh, let me tell you that we do these once a month. Usually the, the last week of the month, we will pick a topic and then we'll do, we'll do it. If you have a suggestion for a topic that you'd like us to cover, please go ahead and share it in the Meta channel um, and then we will consider it. These are supposed to be pretty casual spaces for, for us to, I don't know, get to talk to you about anything that you're interested in about our work and also a chance for you to ask questions. So um, I'll probably talk for about 30 minutes and then, and then the second half of this is a Q&A. And you can unmute yourself and ask questions via your microphone, uh, or you can DM me your question. So as we get towards the end of the, ta uh, the talk, I'll, I'll, I don't know, I'll remind you to, uh, if you want to write a question out, uh, go ahead and DM me uh, it, and then we can go through it. All right. Um, so for those of you who are joining, again, thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to talk for about half an hour, and then we'll have a Q&A about just what it's like to work with. Uh, pretty heavy material that's potentially traumatic that can potentially cause short-term and long-term distress. How do you do that? How, how do you work with that material? How do you stay healthy? Uh, that sort of stuff. So um, to get started, let me just stress that I'm not a health a healthcare professional. I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not an expert on working with with potentially traumatic material. I don't have any kind of education in that beyond what I've picked up in my day job, which is my uh, open source researcher at Bellingcat. So what I'm going to share with you is based on my own personal experience as an open source research practitioner who's been doing this in different capacities for about eight years. So again, I'm not speaking as a, as a trauma specialist or a mental health specialist. I'm speaking as somebody who's been around for about eight years, working with very traumatic material. And so um, what works for me might not work for you. The strategies that I'm going to talk about today uh, have been useful to me. That doesn't mean that they'll necessarily be useful to you. So just sort of keep that in mind um, as, as I go through the talk today. Um, you know, there's no magic solution uh, to anything, and, and this is no exception. Um, so I'm going to start by talking about some definitions that I think are important. And then I'll, I'll go through some tips, I guess, um, uh, some suggestions that, as I said, have worked out for me in the past, uh, things that I, strategies that I have found to be useful when it comes to working with traumatic material, and then we'll do the Q&A. And the last thing I'll say before I launch into this is that I'll be sharing some links to reading materials uh, on working with traumatic imagery. And these are gonna be from the DART Center for Journalism 
and trauma. So I'll be sharing those in the Meta channel. So there, hashtag Meta, you should be able to see it on your left uh, if you're using the desktop app or if you're on the phone. It's one of the channels in the server info. So I'll put some links in there um, for you to click on um, and read at your leisure. So uh, to get started, a couple of definitions. Uh, again, I'm, I'm speaking as a practitioner here. I had to do a little bit of reading before um, doing this talk because I realized I probably wasn't using terms correctly. And the terms I want to talk about are trauma and, and resilience. So this is from the Dart Center Style Guide, and this is a link that I'll uh, put there in the, um, in the meta channel, as I said. Um, and I want to talk about trauma first. So this is uh, from, from the Dart Center Style Guide, and they point out that trauma, the term trauma is, is a complex one that can have very different meanings because it's used casually, I think, as I'm using it. Uh, but it also has uh, very specific clinical, medical, and scientific uh, meanings, right? So uh, like any term that is used casually, but also has very specific meanings, there's a lot of confusion about what it means. So I want to tell you how I'm using the term trauma. I'm using the term trauma, traumatic material, traumatic imagery as any material that has the potential to cause emotional distress, both in the short term and in the long term. So I'm thinking of like a video that is graphic that shows something terrible happening to someone and to which you can have a very emotional response. Maybe as, you, as I have done a lot of times, you, you, you tear up, you might break, you know, sort of start crying. Um, you might, your heart might start racing. You might just feel terrible for the person that you're watching the video. And that can happen at the, at the short term. So that's an immediate reaction. Um, and, and, that's, and that's as has been the case with me, and I'm sure is the case with a lot of people, you might think, think about it six months later or a year later or years later. You might say, man, that video that I saw about five years ago, like I still think about it and it still kind of makes me sick. So that's what I mean by traumatic material. Uh, any material that has, a, has the, the potential to cause emotional distress, both in the short term and, and in the long term. Part of what makes that definition complicated is that, again, as the Dart Center style guide points out, uh, if you show two people the same video, one of them could be, could be really impacted by it in a negative way and another person might not, right? So everybody has different, um, let's say, triggers, things that cause them distress. Um, and what causes me distress might not cause you distress. And so even if we are talking about traumatic materials uh, writ large, those could look very different for you and me. So all of this is to say, uh, you know, trauma is a complicated term. It has different meanings. But again, the way that I'm using it here is, is any that has the potential to cause emotional distress to you personally, both in the short term and the long term. I think for most people, I would venture a guess, you know, it's sort of like the kinds of materials that we're seeing coming out of Ukraine, for example, where you see civilians um, who are the victims of, of violence, uh, the violence that is war. And then the other term that's in the title here that I think is important to think about, and I guess this is the point of the talk, is resilience. So I learned that, uh, again, from the darts, from the fine folks at the Dart Center, that resilience has a definition in the American Psychological Association. And it, it is this, I'm quoting, it is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress, end quote. So to be resilient, to experience resilience is to not be overcome by trauma, by adversity, by tragedy, by threats, or by significant stress. To be resilient is to be uh, is to to be able to face these challenges posed by these uh, phenomena and to adapt to them and to be, you know, able to function and to be healthy in the face of all of these things. So, um, I guess we are asked often, and Anik and I see Eric is here and uh, Glib and and so is uh, Michael Sheldon. I see lots of my colleagues here. Hi, if any of you want to talk, just raise your hand and I'll put you up here on the stage with uh, with Anik and and myself. Um, one of the questions that we get asked a lot is how do you guys, like, how do you all do this? Like, how, how is it that you can, you know, look at these videos and these pictures nonstop for years and years and years um, and still, like, be able to function in society? Like, go, to, you know, like, pay your bills and, <laughs> and then have friends. And I guess 
the answer is 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 that we're resilient. We've we've all managed to come up with strategies. Um, maybe we've been taught them, or we've just um, we've you know I don't know. We picked them up somewhere, and they've allowed us to become resilient. So they've allowed us to adapt well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. So these suggestions, these little tips that I'm going to give you now, are meant to do that uh, for you uh, to 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 allow you to. Um, work with this sort of material that is potentially traumatic in a way that does not overwhelm you and for you know cause you to burn out or 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 you know have uh, uh, adverse mental health effects. So with those definitions in mind, um, I want to tell you that the idea for the stage talk came from the fact that I'm watching. This is going to sound creepy, uh, but it shouldn't be. Um, uh, I'm watching a lot of you uh, work in the server. Uh, of course, it's a public server, so that's why I say it shouldn't be creepy. It's a public server. Everybody can see what we're all doing, right? Uh, but I see a lot of you are, are doing lots of work on Ukraine in particular. You're geolocating videos. You're sharing news. Um, you're sharing news in the Environmental and Wildlife Channel, in the Asia-Pacific Channel. A bunch of you here uh, um, are working on geolocations. Uh, either with the gap with the global authentication project or just on your own sort of here with folks that you've discovered who are also interested in this kind of work in the server. And um, I don't have to tell you, but you're looking at some of the worst things that can happen to people, uh, arguably maybe the worst things that can happen to anybody. Um, you, the, the materials with which you're working show the absolute worst behavior that a human being can engage in, right? Like to, to wage war, to kill, to maim, to disfigure. It's the worst of humanity. And you're all, you know, <laughs> you're all sharing news about it and, and, and geolocating, you know, where did this happen and, and where are these mass graves and how do we find out where they are located, et cetera. So I've been watching people do this uh, um, for, for a while now. And, and I've even had discussions, you know, I've, I've checked in with a couple of you. Obviously, I'm not gonna name names. Uh, I check in with my colleagues often. People check in with me. If I've noticed that, you know, maybe somebody in the server is a little bit maybe stressed out or they say something that makes me think like, oh, this person maybe would benefit from just a friendly hello in the DMs. I've done that with a couple of you as well. Um, uh, and so that's the reason why I, I had the idea for the stage talk, like knowing that there's lots of really good folks out there, you, you all, uh, doing this kind of work and being exposed to these materials and not having the benefit of being with an organization um, that can, you know, I don't know, provide you healthcare or, you know, direct you to mental health resources, et cetera. So that's why I, I had the idea, like, you know, maybe I can impart some of the techniques that I've, that some of them that I've been taught and that I feel have been useful for me uh, 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 to you so that if you are doing this kind of work in whatever capacity, you'll have something to, uh, to draw from. So uh, here's a list of suggestions. I'm going to go through them. Um, and I'm realizing I probably won't get to uh, the 30 minute mark. So, um, uh, anyways, th that doesn't matter. But uh, as I said at the beginning, I'm going to share these sort of five tips with you. I'm going to talk about them, and then I'll invite my colleagues to uh, to uh, a comment. And that's how that's how we'll get to the 30 minute mark. Um, um, so before I share these, I want to again repeat that uh, this these are things that work for me. I found them to be useful. It doesn't mean that they'll necessarily be a work for you or that you will find them useful, but uh, maybe uh, hopefully some of these you can try out um, if you don't know them already. So the, my main suggestion, this is the main, if, if this was a lecture, I would say th this is the thing you got to write down. Don't write anything else down. This is the one thing you need to write down. This is what's going to be on the test. Um, is, this is my main, uh, the building block for, for everything that I'm going to say from now on. Remember that the things that you put in your head are there forever. That's a quote from a, a book. It's called The Road by Cormac McCarthy. I don't know if any of you have read it. It's really good. If you haven't read it, it's very depressing. It's, very, it's a very dark book, but it's, it's really good. Um, and I won't get into like where the quote comes from, but because but the, 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 I think it stands on its own. Remember that the things that you put in your head are there forever. And I used to uh, put a lot of stuff in my head not being conscious of that. And as I've grown older, I'm 36 years old now, I realize that that is really true, that once you put an image in your head, that is gonna be there forever. Like there's no medical procedure that you can undergo to remove 
a, a video from your mind to remove something that you've seen, right? Uh, if, I don't think there is. And so I wish that I had been aware of that when I was, when I was younger. And I'll tell you that, um, you know, I read that book a couple years ago and at least a couple of times a month, I will be scrolling through Telegram or I'll be looking at something on Twitter. I'll be, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'll be consuming social media and I'll see a link to a video or I'll see a link to a picture that I think contains something that is traumatic. And I will stop myself and I'll say that to myself. I'll, I'll say it in my head. I'll say, remember that the things that you put in your head are there forever. And then I won't click on the link. I won't watch it because I'll, I'll, it forces me to, to think, I'm going to click on something that's potentially traumatic. I don't know what it is, but if it's, if it's going to cost me distress, that's going to be there forever. I'm never going to be able to get it out. So do I want to risk putting something in my head that is going to live there until I die? And most of the time the answer is no, and then I don't click on the link. So I've been saved a lot of uh, exposure to traumatic imagery because of that mantra. Remember that the things that you put in your head are there forever. So on a practical level, and again, if this was a lecture, I would say point number one uh, or suggestion number one is this. Don't look at potentially traumatic material if you don't have to. Be conscious about what you're reading and about what you're seeing. Be conscious about the things that you're putting in your head. Again, when I was much younger, I would just like unconsciously almost just like scroll through Twitter, scroll through LiveLeak. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you name it. I was watching videos just sort of like as a zombie, like not thinking about it. Now I, I know to be much more conscious. So that's my advice. Don't look at traumatic, potentially traumatic material if you don't have to. You don't have to read an article that you know contains something that will make you upset. Don't read it. If you don't have to watch a video that contains graphic content that you suspect contains graphic content that maybe will impact you in a negative way, don't watch it. So don't put those things in your head if you don't have to. Now, what does have to mean? That's where it gets complicated, right? That's up to you. Um, I'll tell you that for me, I get paid to do open source research. I signed an employment contract with a, a company that pays me a monthly salary to undertake certain activities. Some of those activities include watching traumatic materials, right? So for me, I sometimes... I often have to look at traumatic material because it's literally my job. I'm being paid a salary to do it. That means, though, and you can bet money on this, that when the weekend comes or when the evening comes and I'm off the clock, I go out of my way to not look at traumatic stuff. I disconnect from Twitter. I don't, you know, if somebody's DMing me videos, I'm not going to look at those because I don't have to do it, right? So um, you have to decide what does have to mean for me? Right? If you're doing this as a hobby, if you're you know, just interested in conflict in Ukraine in general and, and uh, um, you know, I don't know, you have a, a, a day job that doesn't involve looking at this sort of stuff, um, I don't know, you might consider that you have to do it because you want to break into the open source research scene. Uh, I, I don't know, right? That, that is up to you. But, but um, uh, I guess the suggestion, again, is to be conscious, to sort of make a conscious decision about, okay, what? Do I have to do? Do I really have to watch this video? And you might find out that most of the time the answer is no. And so then you're saving yourself potential exposure to traumatic material. And your future self would thank you for that. The second point is, um, this is a really good one also. Uh, and I'm quoting, this is all from the, from the uh, uh, Dart Center. Um, I pulled out, they have a bunch of suggestions. These are the ones that I found to be particularly useful for me. I'll link to these uh, materials in the Meta channel. Um, uh, at the end of the talk. And the second one is think of traumatic material as if it were radioactive. So um, I used to, I, I, when, I learned, when, I, when I learned about that, I thought, oh, that, that makes so much sense. Traumatic material is like radioactive material. Um, and what that means is that you can suffer the effects of exposure to radiation years down the line. Right? Like on a day-to-day -day basis, you may be exposed to, in fact, we are exposed to radiation. Um, or if you work at a nuclear power plant, day-to-day, -day, you're exposed to radiation. And day-to-day, -day, you might not feel any effects. But over time, over years, then you might say, oh, my goodness, you know, I have this condition now because I've worked at a nuclear power plant for 20 years or for 30 years, right? Um, and I think open source research, the way that we're doing it, is new enough that we don't know what the long-term effects are. 
right? So, so nobody's been around for 30 years. Nobody, nobody who's grown up with social media has been around for 30 years because social media has only been around for like what, like 15 years tops, right? Uh, so it could be that in 30 years and 40 years and 50 years, we have a bunch of older folks, maybe myself included, saying, oh, yes, now I, you know, I can't go to sleep at night because I've been watching horrible videos for, for the last 40 years. And that, you know, that exposure over time turns out to be really bad for you. Um, um, so, so think of traumatic materials as if they're radioactive. Don't overexpose yourself to that radioactivity. So make sure that you have enough downtime. Don't spend you know, all day looking at, at traumatic materials. Uh, and listen to your, to your body. Listen to your mind. If you feel like you've had enough for one day, you've had enough for one day, right? Uh, you're the only one who can, who can know that. Um, and, and step away. Uh, I, I do that routinely. In fact, this morning I did it. I, um, I stopped working today on, on Ukraine, uh, which is the main thing that I'm working on, at like 10.30 in the morning because I saw a video this morning at 10.30, like not even two hours into my day that I felt like this is, this is over, this, this video, this one video has put me over my daily exposure to this toxic, to this radiation. And I had to do something else. I said, I can't, I, I'm not going to look at Ukraine stuff anymore because I'm over my limit. I feel it. And so I was doing other work. So think of traumatic material as if it were, as if it were radioactive. Don't overexpose yourself. Know what your daily limit is or your weekly limit and listen to yourself uh, when, you're, when, when your body, when your mind says, hey, you know what? This is too much. Go for a walk. The third point I would say is to eliminate distress triggers in the material. And I know I see Sir Toasty's here. Uh, Toasty, I hope you don't mind me sharing that you've told me. Uh, that that watching videos with the sound off is very uh, is a very good piece of advice. So I'll tell you, uh, in my experience, sound can be very uh, potentially traumatic. Uh, videos where people are screaming or crying, those uh, tend to stick with me longer than videos where there is no sound, for example. And uh, I might forget what the images were, but I can still hear you know, the, people crying in a video or people screaming in a particular video. And so if you, if you take care to eliminate the stress triggers in material, you can help to eliminate your exposure to traumatic uh, materials and to be resilient, right? So, so one example I've just given you is that. If you're watching a video because you're trying to geolocate it, mute it, right? Don't, don't listen to it necessarily because you don't need to hear necessarily the sound of the artillery coming down or people screaming in the distance or whatever, right? Um, the audio doesn't have to be part of the geolocation process. Often it's not. And so don't, don't expose yourself to it. Eliminate it from the material. And that's as simple as, as muting your device. If you're working with an image uh, or, or a video and it shows something that is this, uh, potentially distressful, like for example, I don't know, um, gore or, or violence, um, and you're trying to geolocate it, well, you don't have to look at the part that contains gore for the geolocation. The geolocation involves the buildings in the background, the bridge in the background, the mountains in the background. So uh, if it's a picture, it's really simple to do with MS Paint or whatever the equivalent is on, on Mac. I've never used a Mac, so I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, open up the image and with MS Paint, just lock out the, you know, draw a rectangle over the, the, the part of the image that causes the stress leave the part of the image that you actually need to look at for the geolocation and work with that. So I've also heard of people who watch videos in black and white uh, to try to create distance between what the video shows and reality. Uh, I've never done that myself, but I, I, I'm including it here because I've heard a couple of people tell me that they do that, uh, that they'll uh, you know play around with the contrast in a video uh, or in an image, make it black and white, that way, again, you're sort of creating distance between what you're looking at and, and, and your physical surroundings. And that is a, another way to eliminate the stress uh, triggers in the material. So, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you, you, you know what your own lim uh, distress triggers are. Um, and so just be aware that you can do that. Um, you can eliminate them from a picture so that you don't have to uh, look at them all the time uh, to do the geolocation. Another point here, and I'm, we're almost done. I got two more, <clears throat> and then I'll open it up uh, to, to questions um, and discussion, I guess. 
Uh, here's a here's a, uh, another one. I, I'm I'm not so good at implementing this one all the time, but when I have implemented it, I found it to be really useful. Um, and and you know, some of you might be able to do this uh, to different degrees, just based on your uh, living conditions. But the the, the point is this: uh, you know, be, take notice of your work environment and be conscious about your work environment. So if you can have plants around, right? Um, uh, set up your workstation near a window where you can look outside. And, you know, like I'm looking outside my window right now and I see there's trees that are really beautiful and they're kind of waving in the wind and I see people out and about on their business. I see a, there's a pigeon walking across the street. You know, if you can have a window so you can look outside and, and be outside as opposed to being in the video that you're looking at, right? So, um, I, I guess another way to do that is uh, another way to say that is to is to have a work environment that has anchors to your reality, to you being in your room. Because in my experience, if you're really in a video, if you're really in an image, if you if you're geolocating something and you've been thinking about it for days or for a couple of hours, it gets trippy. Insofar as like you kind of forget like you're there. Uh, you, you feel like you're there sometimes. I've had this feeling a lot of times. It's really uncanny. Like, and again, especially if it's a video and you're hearing the artillery coming down and the shooting and the screaming, you kind of feel like you're there. And, it's, and I've had moments where I, I kind of, I feel disoriented um, um, because I feel like I, I'm, I'm there. I'm there with those people. So take notice of your work environment, have plants around, have things that you can look at that are pretty. Some people say you can have pictures of like pets sort of around. Um, you know, anything that can distract you if you really need it really quickly. I, I really love looking outside my window and I'm glad that I have my desk by my window because I can at any moment look out the window and be here as opposed to be in Syria or in Tajikistan or in Ukraine uh, where the material that I'm looking at is coming from. Relatedly, and this is the thing that I haven't been good at, but, but when I do do it, I find it super useful. So related to being conscious about your work environment, Another thing that you can do to help build resilience is to have a, I put it here in quotes, a transition ritual between your workspace and your home. This is particularly useful for people like me and like us at Bellingcat who work from home a lot. Um, the most basic uh, way to implement this is to never work in your bedroom. This is something that I heard even from people who work at like banks and stuff. Uh, when COVID started in particular and everybody started working from home, people would say, well, I never work in my bed because my bed is for sleeping. Uh, and, and I'm not going to bring work to the place that's like sacred in my house where I sleep, where I'm most comfortable, right? And so people would like deliberately, like my brother would do this. He would say, I would, I've never had my laptop on my bed because again, my, my bed is like my fortress. It's like, you know, why would I bring work there? So my brother would always make sure that he was working from his kitchen or whatever he had a stable set up, right? So uh, a transition ritual uh, can be something like washing your face uh, uh, from the moment that you're in your living room and you say, you know what, I'm done for the day, it's five o'clock, I'm gonna now relax for the rest of the day, go wash your face. Like have a ritual that tells your body and your mind, I'm done working, I'm, I'm gonna leave behind the things that I've been looking at all day and now I'm here with my family or with my partner or with my Netflix account or whatever, right? Another, this is, this is the one thing that I used to do that I found useful. I've stopped doing it because I've gotten lazy, but I found it to be really useful. Uh, another kind of transition ritual is to never wear your pajamas when you're at work. Even if you're, uh, well, well, only, uh, that only, you can only do that if you're working from home, I guess, right? I work from home most of the time. And there's been times when I will deliberately put on like my outdoor clothes, like I'll put on jeans, and like, you know, a sweater that I would use to go out. And I'm wearing that when I'm working. And at five o'clock, when I'm done work, I change to my home clothes, to my PJs. Uh, so I, you know, never work in your PJs, right? Because that, again, sets up a separation in your mind between work and, and the material that you're looking at for work and your home environment. I've gotten lacy at that. Um, but when I've, when I've, when I really have stuck to that, like wear outdoor clothes when you're working and wear PJs only when you're done work, I find that that's really a useful way to tell your, your, your body and your mind, Hey, we're done with work. Now it's time to relax on the couch, watch Netflix or whatever. 
And then the last thing I'll say before I open it up to questions, and I encourage you to uh, uh, send questions, uh, you can DM them to me or you can uh, raise your hand and I'll unmute it. I'll unmute you. Uh, if you have any questions about what it's like to work with this material or any questions on strategies for working with it. Uh, again, keeping in mind that, that none of us here is a mental health or trauma expert. And so all we can do is give you advice based on our own personal experience. The last point I'll make before we get into the Q&A and the discussion is this one. Um, be, uh, be kind to yourself. So that's a, that's a phrase that I feel like, I feel like a, a, like a boomer. No, what's the generation? Yeah, boomer, right? I'm not a boomer, but I feel like a boomer because be kind to yourself, I feel like it's like a newer phrase that I discovered like in my mid thirties, right? Like I feel like the kids were the ones who came up with this phrase, be kind to yourself. And when I started hearing it, I thought like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm getting old. Cause like, the, you know, the teenagers, the kids these days, they're coming up with all these new phrases, like be kind to yourself. And it was kind of alien to me. Uh, but, uh, but as I've gotten older, I realized that it's, it's so important to be kind to yourself. Uh, uh, in particular, when you're working with this with this kind of material, because if the point of 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 these strategies is to build resilience, is is for you to be able to to continue to live a healthy life uh, in the face of these materials that can cause distress and trauma. Uh, uh, if that is the point, then then you do have to be kind to yourself, and that means lots of things. It means take lots of breaks. Like don't push yourself too hard. If you feel like you know, I've been working too hard the, the past couple of days. Take it, take a day off. Uh, uh, um, it doesn't even have to be that. It can be go for a walk. Uh, it, it can be, you know, treat yourself to a, a video game if that's what you're into, right? So whenever I felt like I've had periods of lots of work and lots of stress, I'll say to myself, I've, I've, I'm going to be kind to myself. I've earned a, a video game this month, right? I wasn't planning on buying one, but I'm going to buy this game. So I love playing video games. And that's something that I can do for myself to, to, again, to be kind to myself. Go to the park, catch up on your favorite Netflix show, send a message to a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. Um, none of those things constitutes being weak or being lazy or not being good enough or meaning that you're not cut out for this work. That's, uh, none of that is true. Uh, when you're kind to yourself, what you're doing is you are ensuring that you can continue to do this kind of work. This is a marathon, uh, and not a sprint. That's a, a, a phrase that I've, uh, I think, I've used in the sh in the uh, server a couple of times. Um, you know, if you're if you're worried about Ukraine, if you're concerned about what's happening in Ukraine, and you're distraught, and you want to help out, and you think that doing geolocations is a way of helping out, great. But but don't burn out um, uh, because then you're not going to be helping anybody least of all yourself, if, if, if you burn out and you say, well, I can't, I can't do this kind of work anymore, right? So be kind to yourself, take lots of breaks, drink lots of water, go for lots of walks, uh, reach out to friends, buy yourself lots of video games, if that's your thing again. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, do things that will ensure, that will help ensure that you will remain healthy uh, and, and able to do this kind of work if that is what you have chosen to do. So, um, I am, I've received a couple of questions here in the, uh, in the DMs. I encourage every, all of you to uh, ask questions now. Um, while I am reading the questions and, and, and lining them up to answer, I want to ask if anyone, uh, any one of my colleagues has a comment that they want to make. I see Glib is here, Tristan, Eric, Anik, anything that you want to add um, uh, before we take some questions? No, I think... Um... Uh, all the tips that you said, they're really important. So I've been doing open source work for, I think, the past eight years now. But before that, uh, I I was a police officer. I worked in 911 calls. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm basically in a weird position where some of the things that you see in the screen, I saw it in real life. Um, and I now, all the tips that you gave, I, I do that kind of automatically already. Uh, like. Uh, turning down the sound is, uh, I think, the the most important tip mm. uh, for me that makes it better because I I think you read it in the newspapers. Like I heard screaming outside, and I knew immediately that there was something going on. There is such a big difference in people yelling when they're angry or or when they like something scares them or when they are in panic and there's something really seriously going on. You immediately. Um, hear the difference 
And um, that's the same with these videos. Like, only by turning down the sound, um, uh, it helps uh, so much. Or even like when you have the little preview uh, of a video, um, look at that. Quickly scroll through the video. Look in the video. Uh, because I also had to, for my previous job, had to look at a lot of ISIS execution videos. Um, so, um, yeah, these tips, uh, even though they seem small, can have a huge impact on, on um, the work that you do. But also, because I also work with conspiracy theories, I'm really strict in um, on which day I look at uh, which topic. Uh, for instance, I look at conspiracies on Tuesday and look at Ukraine on Thursday and Friday because if I turn it around I have to look at so much traumatic uh, images from Ukraine and then I have to read about people that are very comfortable in their safe country saying oh it's not true they used actors no you know everything staged and that is something uh, I'm having a lot of problems with but now I turned it around so I look at the conspiracy first and then the images from Ukraine later, and that really helped me a lot to cope um, with. I, I it just made me so angry that people would deny uh, what's going on in Ukraine while you're uh, in your safe country uh, with your internet connection and your family around. So, yeah, thanks a lot for that, Anik. And and uh, you know the the thing about working uh, on particular days on particular topics. That's a really good point that I, I do that too. Um, but I only started doing that with Ukraine really just out of necessity because the, you know, the way that hours are allocated through the funding that we have, et cetera. But it, it, it makes total sense. And I, and I think it goes along with that idea of like being conscious about the work that you're doing. Right. So just preparing your, your, yourself to say, okay, Tuesday's a day I work on Ukraine. Um, I think maybe even subconsciously that lets you time to, that gives you time to like prepare ahead of time, like on the Monday. Right. And then, you know, yeah. that you have the rest of the week to like do other things and not have to worry about this. So that's a really good piece of advice. Uh, thanks. Yeah. But, and also because, uh, I think most of my colleagues know I'm pretty strict in my working hours. Yeah. Uh, but that's, we made our hobby, our job. If I would not look into yeah. the working hours, I would work 13 hour days, uh, nonstop because I love my job so much. So I'm really strict in uh, yeah. my working hours. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Anik. Um, Sir Toasty, who's uh, one of our great moderators here in the server, has uh, asked if you can say something. Of course, Toasty, thank you for, for uh, uh, volunteering to speak. So go ahead. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm in a cafe, so hopefully there's nothing to be distracting <laughs> sounds. But um, yeah, I mean, I, when I started with this, I, I had joined the Bellingcat server I want to say maybe three or four days before the Ukraine invasion happened. It was kind of my first foray into this whole thing. Um, of course, I found it interesting, as many others here do as well. But um, I, you know, I'm not I'm not employed with Bellingcat. It's not part of my job. I'm a software engineer by day, um, and a lot of the um, a lot of the 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 dangers of looking at this stuff just weren't apparent to me at all. Um, and I was consuming every video, every image every news story, every article that was coming out pretty intently without sleeping for the first, you know, three or four days. As I think I've heard a lot of other people also have this, um, the same experience. Um, the, the first week was kind of very, very intense, very heavy. Um, and looking at every piece of the media was uh, just not something I was prepared to do. Um, and it, for me in particular, it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the total effect of all of the different pieces of media that ultimately got to me because I, I more or less burnt out a month and a half later. I wasn't prepared for this, like I said, um, it was a few specific videos that you wouldn't, I don't think really think would be impactful, but there were a few specific ones that just hit me specifically in a very specific way um, where I had to like put my headphones down and be like, I need to go for a walk. <laughs> and it was, um, they were a few that, I wish I had known about the sound trick, the, the turning off the sound. I wish I had known about that at that time. And then, um, you know, as I got more involved in the server, that's when I started volunteering for other things, of course, becoming, becoming a moderator and, and also working on some other uh, projects within the Bellingcat, you know, ecosystem um, and learning more about taking care of yourself and guides that Bellingcat has distribute. 
um, I didn't have those soon enough. I, I didn't know to even look to look for them soon enough. I didn't know that this was something that would really affect me. I figured, you know, I'm behind a computer screen. I am in my safe, you know, country and um, in my you know bedroom doing basically all the wrong things, um, not realizing what effect this would have. And uh, a lot of the videos that are are traumatic and, and things like that to many people, they didn't bother me too much. So I I kind of got third into this this sense of false security um i think um where i thought you know none of these things will impact me i'm able to kind of disassociate with them enough um but then you know there's that one video or even you know a post every once in a while that um just hits you in a way that you don't expect or, or can't really even explain it I, I don't know if i could even explain why there's one particular video that i'll just leave it at it involved a dog a tank and a car um and uh it wasn't particularly graphic visually. The sound was quite easily one of the worst things I've ever heard. Um, and uh, that one just hit me a specific way. And that I started taking a lot more care of uh, my cell phone, my well being when it came to this stuff, because it just, uh, I think it affects everyone differently. Um, but I've heard basically all of the same things that I've gone through mentioned by a lot of other people who do this too. And, you know, Giancarlo and I have had lots of discussions in, you know, the moderators chat that we have about these sorts of things. And uh, yeah, I, I can't overstate the the sound one. It's It seems to be a recurring thing that everyone seems to say it helps a lot. And it's, uh, for me in particular, it helps a lot. And I regret not knowing it even sooner. So yeah. And uh, the one thing I did want to say too, is that for things like making a video or an image black and white, or, you know, any of those sorts of technical things, um, if you ever need that kind of help, Feel free to reach out. Um, we have a Cries for Help channel. I think it's still here. Um, and uh, yeah, there's always somebody available to help you with that too. If you're if you have a particularly picky one, still want to work with, um, but uh, uh, you don't necessarily know how. Um, you know, I myself always feel free to ping me or anyone else. Um, but I can always help with that, and those other people who can always help with that. So, um, Bell and Cats, the Bell and Cat servers are a great resource for that too. If you ever need help with those sorts of things. Yeah, that was just my my two cents. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Tosi. And uh, you know, on that last point, I'll say yes, of, of course. Uh, actually, I'll leave the last point for last because it leads well to a trend that I'm noticing in the DMs that people are sending me. Um, I will say there's got to be some medical, like physiological reason that sound has like the power that it does. Because Anik, you, you talked about it as well about there's something like primal about sound that tells you a lot about uh what's happening to a person in a way that language maybe can't right because aniki were talking about like the difference between like a panic scream and like a fear scream like yep. there's something like built into us it's it's uh i it's a sort of related i suppose but i read somewhere that like the human brain is wired to automatically like pay attention to a crying baby like just evolution gave us that ability i guess that like if you hear a crying baby like it's supposed to be the most annoying sound that anybody can name because it's supposed to get you to pay attention to the thing that is crying because they need, you know, water or, or food or whatever, right? So there's got to be, there's, there's something in our brains that I think make, make sound really powerful. And, and so as Tosi and Anique, or as Tosi has just said, uh, yeah, muting is, 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 is really important. Uh, and so the last thing that Tosi said that I wanted to touch on is, is that, yes, um, you can ask us for help. So we, we do have a Christ for Help channel. And uh, yeah, I'm putting myself available as well. Toasty, also, I know you you do lots of stuff with image and, and, and video editing. I don't know if you're working with a video or something and you're like, hey, actually, Giancarlo said we should make the video black and white. I don't know how to do that. Just send a ping on, on Christ for help. And, and if I can't help you, somebody else will. We got almost 10,000 people in the server. And uh, uh, you know, everyone here is really great so and really helpful. So if, I, if Toasty and I can't help you, somebody, somebody else will. And I wanted to make that comment because it leads really well into some of the DMs I've gotten. I'm gonna read your names here. Um, this is from Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. Jimmy says, um, I, I have experienced a lot of things as a retired uh, Marine. Uh, and the most important thing that I've learned is that working through trauma is uh, that you don't have to do it alone. So this isn't something that you have to do alone. Uh, and, and, and I think, um, Again, you know, not I, I'm not a healthcare professional, a mental health professional, uh, uh, but but uh, you know, if you feel like, hey, I've been doing these geolocations for a while, 
And I just want to ask Giancarlo, uh, I don't know, can you repeat some of those uh, strategies that you mentioned? Or can you send me a link to an article that you might have read that, that might be helpful, might have more strategies? Just, uh, you know, you, you feel, feel free to, to DM me or to ask for help in the server. Because uh, again, there's a lot of us here who are doing this kind of stuff and you can share some of our experience um, working with this material. So thank you for that comment there, Jimmy. We got another one here from... Um, Wait, Giancarlo, uh, yeah, if I can, I think what's also uh, together with what Jimmy said, what what's very important is the phrase "it's okay not to be okay." Mm -hmm. Like it's it's uh, like you said before, it's it's okay uh, that it bothers you. It's okay that it makes you sad. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much for that. Yeah, like again, it's not a not a sign of weakness. Not a sign that you you know you can't do this kind of work. Uh, not a sign that you're being lazy or whatever. It's it's uh, that's a really good way of putting it, Anique. It's okay to not be okay. Um, I have a, a, another comment here from Mothboy, uh, who says uh, there's a message to the listeners to consider doing art therapy as a as a medium to express uh, things like their feelings. You can scribble, you can doodle, you can create something on a post-it. Um, you know, draw color patterns, etc. It's a simple tip, and it will help to boost your well-being and process things. That's a really good idea, Mothboy. Thank you so much. I've often felt, uh, yeah, like I've wanted to pick up art uh, or actually during COVID when I was particularly stressed out uh, by COVID stuff, I, uh, I started playing uh, the keyboard. Uh, I bought a keyboard uh, uh, online and I started playing it. I did find it to be useful. So yeah, anything that can distract your brain in a way that, uh, uh, that gets it, you know, away from, from this sort of work, I think is a, is a useful strategy. So thank you, Mothboy, for that. Um, got a, another suggestion here from uh, Duco. Um, Duco says, what you have said earlier reminded me of this study, and they've linked to a study from NPR uh, or a, an article on NPR that I'll share in Meta, and it says, study suggests hand-washing cleanses the mind. And it's something that was uh, uh, shared on NPR, um, and it's, uh, I, I haven't read it, but I'm going to share in the Meta. Thank you so much, Duco, for sharing this. Uh, I, I, I guess you're referencing the, that idea of like having the ritual to take you away from your home office or into your home office. So maybe something like, yeah, washing your hands or washing your face, just doing something physically uh, to, to, to sort of tell your mind, okay, now I'm working or now I'm done working and I'm not going to look at Twitter anymore for the rest of the day or I'm not going to look at Twitter for the weekend uh, until I you know, you know, put on my work clothes or whatever on Monday morning. So thanks for that, Duco. Got a couple other comments here. Uh, this is from Geosynt. Um, uh, hi, Geosynt, by the way. Um, Geosynt says, do you think that listening to an audio from the video without watching the video itself first can be an option instead of watching the video without the sound so that if you can hear screams, shots, or bombs, you can get yourself mentally prepared better? In other words, can it be less traumatic comparing watching video without sound first or sound even without images? In my experience, so, so the question here is, um, um, we are telling you that in our experience, if you have a video that has sound, mute the video, watch the video without sound. And the question here is a very good one is, do you think that works the other way around? Don't watch the video, just hear the sound. In my experience, again, I'm not an expert in this. This is my personal experience. And I'm curious to hear, Anik, what you think. The sound is the, is the, can be the, is the problem. So listening to sound of, you know, I'm thinking that things that make me, that cause me distress, like people yelling or screaming in panic or in fear or in pain, hearing that, even if there's no audio, is, is still, it, that, is the, that is what's really heavy and difficult for me to, to work with. So I would, not, I, would not, um, I would not do that personally. I would not listen only to the audio uh, to prepare myself for the video. Um, um, yeah. I, is, yeah. Do you, what do you think, Anik? Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I speak out of, um, personal experience, uh, uh, to be open with you. I was traumatized as a, as a police officer and that was completely, uh, because of sound. I, I heard, uh, um, in the background of a 911 call, how somebody got murdered and that, really screwed me up it uh, it took me 16 weeks of therapy to get over that so and there was only sound there was yeah. no images nothing else except what i heard um uh, in the background so um yeah i i i would not recommend and and the thing thank you for sharing that by the way anik um the the, the thing i think that's important 
for um, I'm, I'm trying to think of scenarios where you would really need to hear the audio. When you're geolocating a video, it's possible that the person recording will say something like, I'm standing here on the corner of whatever and whatever, right? Or like, you know, that they'll describe exactly where they are or where they, you know, where the video was recorded. I would still, or, uh -huh, go ahead. Language, dialect. Or the, yeah, exactly. There might be some audio, audio clue as to, you know, that could aid potentially with the geolocation and the chronolocation. I would leave that, like, I would, I would say, leave that to the end. Like, try to do the geolocation without having to listen to it. Uh, if you know, you know, if you have reason to believe that the, that the video has, uh, has sound that could be, uh, 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 you know, that could be cause of stress to you, you might be able to g learn that, you know, after the first second, right? Like, if, if it's a video that as soon as you play it, people are screaming, mute it right away. And, and just sort of take your chance, I would say. Take your chance. Do the geolocation and the chronolocation without the audio, and only if it turns out later that you say, okay, actually, this video is a key piece of evidence in a case that I'm working on, and I absolutely have to try to geolocate it, then say, all right, let me listen to it, because on the off chance that whoever's recording it um, uh, said something about where they were or, or what day it was. Um, but yeah, it, I would say definitely uh, 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 sound is, is something that is relatively easy to do, to mute. And, and, and uh, I recommend that you do it often. Uh, thank you for that question. It's a very, very good one. Um, we have another one here. Let me see. Um, so, oh, this is a really good one. So this is, uh, I, I won't say your name. I, I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm sorry. I always say people's names, but I don't know if, if people want me to say their names or not. But I, I won't read it if you want me to read it for whatever reason. Maybe send me a message and I'll, I'll read it out loud. This is the person who says, hi, Giancarlo. My question is this. I am about to begin a job working as an intelligence analyst in the graphic violence, suicide, and self-harm department at a private firm. And I'm a little bit concerned about getting jaded by the steps I'll have to take to protect my mental health. Do you have any tips for retaining human empathy and compassion while building resilience? That's a really good question. Um, I think... Uh, I would say that if you, so I would say that you're ahead of the curve in relation to where I was when I started doing this work. I started looking at, uh, you know, for work, I started looking at uh, working with traumatic imagery in 2014. Back then, I had no idea. I didn't know what resilience was. I didn't know the thing about muting the sound. I, I didn't know any of that. And it only, you know, it took me several years of exposing myself to this. Again, you know, if you want to use that analogy, radioactive material to realize, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should be protecting myself some, somehow. Um, and so I would say, I would say that you're ahead of the curve if you're, if you are aware that there are things that you need to do to protect yourself. And to answer your question more con concretely, um, I mean, retaining human empathy and compassion while building resilience. If I understand that question correctly, um, um, I I'll tell you that it is some, sometimes it's difficult. I'm going to share a story that somebody told me. Uh, I, I talked to a police officer one time um, and we were talking about how difficult it is to maintain a positive outlook on humanity when your job is to look at the worst things that humanity is capable of doing <laughs> like on a daily basis, right? Or like, Anik, maybe you have some insight on here as well because the police usually show up when the worst thing has happened, right? Yep. So there's been a car crash or, you know, nobody calls the police to just say, hey, how's it going? Here's a bouquet of flowers and thank you, right? It's I always... got flowers once. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I got flowers once and I'm still grateful for that. So yeah, but yeah, exactly. Because I bet you it was rare because usually it's like the worst thing that has happened. Right. Uh, so anyway, so this police officer told me we were talking about that and I was saying, yeah, you know, I, I have the same feeling. Like I spent a lot of my day looking at people doing the worst things that they can do. And, 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 um, and that can have an impact on you. And so far as it can make you have like a grim outlook on humanity. And this police officer told me that they had this routine where whenever they were commuting from work, so whenever work was done, he, he, he told me, he's like, I'd be sitting in my car, like in traffic, going back home, and I'd be constantly repeating to myself, there is good in the world. 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 And he would just constantly repeat that to himself um, as a way to remind himself that actually, objectively, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in the world, right? Like, yes, people are capable of doing hor horrific things and there are really bad things happening uh, every day, but there's also really good things happening every day as well. I'm looking out my window right now and I told you about, uh, you know, having a window nearby if you can, and I'm seeing a group of friends having a really great time 
uh, at a restaurant just across the street from me, right? Like, that's great. Like, friends getting together and having fun, right? Um, and, and, and I think, uh, again, to answer your question concretely, maybe have some kind of mantra like that um, where you can remind yourself. Like, it might be a conscious effort that you have to make um, to, to, you know, I don't know, like, make a list of things that are good around you or make a list of, of good things that people have been doing that you've observed them doing um, uh, recently, right? Uh, just remind yourself that, yes, you're going to be looking at a lot of stuff that, that sh paints humanity in the worst light, but also um, that that's not a, 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 a representative sample of what humans are capable of doing, right? Because uh, they're capable of doing really good things, and they do do good things all the time, including you who will be doing this kind of work. Like, you're an example of a human being who's doing good. So I don't know if that's helpful at all um, to the person who asked this question. I see that you've messaged me again. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead, Anik. Fair enough. I'm I'm gonna open up again, but hey, one big open source family. Um, uh, if I look at footage uh, of the good in the world, that is the footage that literally makes me cry to see. Oh, there are still like good people doing good things. Um, that's what gets to me. With what literally makes me cry. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, I would agree, yeah. And and I know there's somebody in the server here. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. I, I don't know if you're here, but somebody has set up a newsletter that's like the good news newsletter, like the, not the religious, like Catholic, Christian good news, like the, the uh, it's it's something like the, um, the, uh, uh, the, yeah, like the good news newsletter. And it's a newsletter that's only like happy news. So this is somebody who's been doing this, I think on a weekly basis. I think they share it in health and, and, and well-being in the server here. And it's just like a collection of like, here's some good news over the last week. Uh, and it's all good stuff. It's like, oh, I don't know, scientists discovered that puppies are great or something like that. Uh, and it's a collection of things that are supposed to remind you of like, oh, yeah, there's good stuff happening in the world. Um, so I, I, I guess another way of saying it is, uh, is uh, to, again, to this person who asked this question is that I don't feel I'm not I, I don't feel like I'm like some grizzled uh depressed like uh uh somebody who's like you know humanity's the worst and uh, uh you know civilization was a, was a mistake i'm not there yet uh, i don't think i'll ever get there it does take conscious effort uh and 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 that effort is is looking around you often and 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 realizing that there's lots of love and lots of good goodwill uh in the world just as as there is uh evil and and bad will um so i don't know if that's helpful maybe that's too philosophical or whatever but uh but don't be don't don't feel like you're gonna you're gonna lose your humanity doing this kind of work. Uh, I don't think you will. Um, and go ahead. I saw uh, no, I saw Sertosi's uh, remark in the um, uh, in the Meta channel, and I think you can also um, like tell when I'm doing that when when police officers and I think ambulance fire department we have the darkest sense of humor yeah. uh, possibly. But it's a coping mechanism. So mm -hmm. when we're in a in a group and we we talk about very heavy stuff, I I uh, tend to make jokes, not because I don't take people seriously, but laughing lightens the mood. Like, um, yeah. So don't feel feel bad for for if you have the feeling like oh I have to make a joke now or it's another coping mecha mechanism. It it's. Laughing lights the mood. So I, I think Anik, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but if you've never told me that you were a police officer, I might have guessed that you were because you have you have a very particular sense of humor, and it's exactly that. It's like when when the news is the heaviest, and everyone else in the room is like <laughs> the most stressed out. Uh, we can always count on you to come in and, and crack a joke, and and that does help. And that is one of the suggestions in in one of the guides that I'm going to share with you. I didn't include it um, in the list just because. I, I thought five was was too many points to go over, but yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And Anika's definitely your your police uh, background definitely shows up when you tell those those jokes that I really appreciate. By the way, I don't know if I've ever told you, but thank you for <laughs> thank you for being the way that you are. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so we don't have any more questions. Um, th there's one question that I'll answer in text. It's it's related. It's not related to this in particular, but uh, to the person who asked me, I'll 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 message you. I'll DM you a little bit later. Um, Thank you all uh, so much for coming. We're going to do another one of these in a month. Come back next week if you want a recording of this. I'm going to share it in the server, in the Meta server. If you have a suggestion for a talk that you'd like to hear about, please uh, uh, share it in Meta, in the Meta channel, and we'll try to accommodate you. Um, other than that, thank you so much for coming. 
I hope you found this useful and uh, take care of yourselves and I'll see you around in the server. Uh, uh, have a good one. And thank you, Anik and Toasty and Eric for and Tristan for, for coming and Dars as well. Thank you for listening to the Stage Talk. If you'd like to catch a Stage Talk live and ask the guest questions, join the Bellingcat Discord server by visiting www.discord.gg forward slash Bellingcat. The music you've heard is titled 1983 by Ben Elson and is courtesy of Epidemic Sound.